Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi everyone, it's Brian King, Millwall goalkeeper from 1967 to 1975. I spent the happiest years of my playing career at the Den and I'd love to share some of the memories, stories and personalities with you in my new book, The Lion's King. In my time, I've met some amazing characters, including Harry Cripps, Barry Kitchener, Sir Alf Ramsey, as well as the great Gordon Banks, and Lev Yashin himself. My book is packed with laughs, tears, tragedies, and triumphs. So join me in my journey down Cold Blow Lane and beyond. The Lion's King, available now for $19.99 at www.littlehellbooks.com. That's www.littlehellbooks.com. Come on, you lions. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Set no substitute. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Acton Mill, your real Mill fan show. Back once again, like the renegade master after, guess what? Another Millwall draw. Millwall mm. drew 1 1 with uh, Reading last night at the Den. Another lead relinquished uh, against a side that haven't won in five, I think, or they've lost the last five or something like that. Yeah, Millwall couldn't find the three points. Got a, one hell of a panel with me today. Uh, of course, the daddy himself, the podfather, uh, the man in the mix when it comes to Millwall. It is Mr. Nick Hart. Greetings, dear listeners. If only you could have seen the video stream just before we went sound only. Um, I think we could charge money for that alone, Aaron, don't you? That that video stream that we've just been... Uh, well, mate, look, your OnlyFans is going to be popping off. In, in bed with Aaron and not long out of bed with Harry Warren. That's it. Well, what's, what's the, what would that be charging on OnlyFans? It'd be a lot of money. You tell me, mate. You tell me. You're the one who's been <laughs> The model shoot. The I've never looked on his OnlyFans. I've only heard about it. I, I, I've never looked on there. With your dungarees on and your, your, your dungarees. <laughs> Nick, I bet, did, have you ever owned a pair of dungarees, Nick? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, back in the early 80s. I mean, anyone that's seen the uh, Dex's Midnight Runners video, uh, come on, Eileen, will see that in the early 80s, wearing dungarees was briefly a thing. And, um, you know, if you wanted to hang out at the, the hippest of um, nighteries or parties, the and you wanted, 
yeah, and you want to present yourself as some kind of, um, you know, a catch, you'd put a pair of dungarees on. Huh? Yeah, I had a pair of dungarees back what in the day. What kind of hair did you have? Well, I, I, I aspired to have a wedge. I don't know if any of you guys <laughs> know of what a wedge is, but um, I aspire to it. But my, the way my hair is, and this is way off the um, theme of the, of the podcast, listeners, but my hair doesn't really go into a wedge. It kind of goes kind of outwards. I've, I've never had that kind of ability to have a rock god style long hair um, that drapes over your shoulders. It goes upwards and outwards. So, um, no, the wedge never really worked for me. Sadly, sadly, I'd love nothing were you, more. Were you a Dax Wax man or a Brill Cream man? Oh, Dax Wax. Well, there was one called, um, uh, there was one called Black, you get it out of the barbers, Black and White Pluco, which always fascinated me because it just made you, you'd wash your hair, put that on, and it feels like you're greasy again. So I always wonder why you're bothered with it, really. No, I was more of a gel man, I suppose. Oh, yeah. A bit of hair gel. Yeah. Keir Starmer still, still uses that style, doesn't he? He's still what, what if we got you a pair of dungarees? What? what? <laughs> Move I'll on. I'll just check the club shop, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, we we got Dale Winton with us. We might as well bring him in. Uh, it shows, <laughs> shows you how little there is to talk about in the football. We've always spent spending time with his my dungaree wearing past. M- Mickey Avery, could we get him something fashioned out of maybe a jean, maybe a a corduroy? You know. Uh, well, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've just got my now. I'm just looking at a pair of ball balls on the Millwall Club shop um, mm-hmm. site. And uh, yeah, I'm just checking the Blue Friday deal after I purchased a Millwall sloth, ladies and gentlemen. Blue Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, guys, that that just sounded like a day when like all porno was half price. <laughs> <laughs> suicide. The suicide rate goes up on Blue Friday. <laughs> oh, it's Blue Friday. You know that fella that sells selling videos out of back at Carnage. Blue Friday. Aye. Oh dear, I dear. Oh, Blue Friday. What a what a name. What a name. Uh, Mickey Avery, our, our resident sort of club shop expert, he's in the building. How are you, Mick? Very, very good, mate. Very good. Uh, I purposely kept my video stream off um, when you lot were all uh, <laughs> lying in bed together. Is that because you're a full bollock naked? That's exactly what it is, mate. <laughs> uh, joining us as well, Chernobyl Charlie, who is at home in brackets. Uh, how are you, Harold? Yeah, I'm good. You're all right. Let's Don't complain. I'll be speaking my usual nonsense, just so everyone knows. <laughs> of course, your comments are always welcome. <laughs> let's um, let's get down to the crux of it. Mill one, Reading one was the score at the Den last night. A world class uh, Jed Wallace free kick, different class Jed Wallace free kick was the only real feature of what was a, uh, a dry first half. Lucas Zhao equalising for Reading. Um, they were missing a, a good few chances. Uh, Troy Parrott starting as well. Um, gents, let's, you know what, let's start with Nick. Nick, I think we're, we're seeing, you know, Gary Rout's squad is really being pushed the limits here in terms of being oh, yeah. stretched out completely. Um, yeah. The limitations of it are, are being are being sort of exposed, aren't they? Well, very much so. I mean, I made a note of the of the substitutes bench last night. I mean, obviously, it was not a an ideal first choice starting eleven, but it was it was it was good enough, um, in my opinion. But when you look at the bench, that you do start to see the you know that the cracks appearing. I mean, leave aside Frank Fielding, the reserve keeper, but you've got Hayden Muller, um, James Brown, um, Bury. Um, you know, the, the, these are these are all prospects, and I'm sure they'll all get their time. 
Um, but when you're naming that uh, those kinds of players as as the at least fifty percent of your substitutes bench, you know that you're you know you have an injury crisis on your hands. So um, I, I'm, I'm really torn with last night's performance, listeners, and um, I'm interested to see what the boys think here because I'm caught between. Um, Kind of, you know, you want to look for the positives, and we we did create a few chances in the second half, which we didn't take, which uh, is is the story of the season, of course. And then, of course, Jed's free kick, which was um, a supernova of light in an otherwise dark, um, you know, dark evening at the den. But um, you know, otherwise, it's, it's it's the kind of performance overall versus the 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 very thinness of the squad, and and you know. We're only just starting out on, the, on a long December, and I think the squad's limitations were there to see last night, and they're going to be really exposed <laughs> for the next four to five games because we've got a tough schedule in front of us. So um, I'm really hoping that January brings in some reinforcements because God knows we need it at the moment. Mickey, I mean, again, you know, I think everyone's sort of bemoaning the lack of firepower up front. We saw Troy Parrott, you know, play or start for, for, for Millwall last night for the first time. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll be honest, last night I thought the opening 10 to 15 minutes, um, I thought Millwall looked quite sharp. Um, we looked lively. Reading seemed very much like they were happy just to camp in our half. You know, you, you said that they what, lost five on the bands. They seemed like they just wanted to take that point to stop the rot, if you will. But then after a little while, we, we didn't build on it. And you you can't, it, it, at this level of football, you can't really have that sort of start and then not either sort of take advantage of it or keep the pressure up and allow the, allow the team to come back at you. Parrot looked good, um, as you said there, Nick. Um, he looked intelligent on the ball. And as it's been said before um, by the people on the show, he he looks older than his years, you know, the way he was looking for... Um, certain players and he was looking for, for fouls and things like that but I do get what you're saying Nick when you say that you're not sure how to take the game but I think yeah you've, you've got to feel disappointed we didn't get more than that because we did have a couple of chances to uh, to finish the game and to get ahead and give that up Michael I think that's that's I mean we you know it's the fourth draw in a row how many times we're going to have the same conversation? I sometimes toy with the idea of maybe not doing a new show, listeners, and just rerunning an old show and see if anyone can tell the difference because we seem to be saying the same things over and over. And yet, the, you know, the squad is at full stretch. So, you know, I can't question anyone's commitment last night. Um, I can't even question some of the substitutions, in, in, to be honest with you. you. Know. No, I mean, because you look at that bench, Harry, and, you know, you're either pitching in... You know, season. I'm going to leave aside Scalak because he just doesn't. I don't. He's just a, a a drain on the wage bill. He doesn't seem to feature in anyone's. Yeah, he's he's gonna become like the water boy, isn't he? You know, like, well, like he's just like. Much. I mean, you know, there's a show in Yuri Skalak because I think he's quite a shocking signing. If he if he if last night is not a game where Yuri Skalak can come in, and fair play to John Daddy because he did come in. He had the 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 you know he was carrying the weight of the miss on. Um, on Saturday, and he went close. It was a good save, actually, when in the second half from the goalkeeper. You didn't mean it. Who, the goalkeeper or, or, or John Daddy? No, Bob Farson wasn't trying to put that shot there. Watch that shot back. He's trying to bend it bottom corner, and he catches it with the heel and goes up top corner. Makes Maybe. it easy for him to save. He's on. He's on target. I mean, you know, strikers will claim it if it comes off the of their of their. No, their, I, I agree. I agree, but he's not. For me, I'd, if I'm going to watch a substitution, I know what Bob Farson offers now. The the kids. Never going to get an easier time at Millwall than what they're getting now. So but, was that, right. 
but that was a one each, Harry. I mean, one of my questions, actually, just to open out the, out the conversation a little bit, is what choices would um, Gary Rout have had last night in that situation? He's got a point. You know, you can argue he should have been having three points in hand, but he's got one point in hand. Um, he's going to want to leave the evening either with three points or one point. He doesn't want to come and go away with zero points. So, you know, the, the risk averse maybe, but who would do anything else in that situation in his shoes? I, I think he's got a difficult choice in front of him there so he brought in the experienced player Bod Larson uh, no, I, I understand that I just think the performances as a whole the four performances of the four draws are the exact same performances in microcosm they've got 15 minutes 20 minutes of good football um, I thought Williams was really good last night I've got to be totally honest I thought he was finished but last night he put himself about one seven eight interceptions pretty much for the first half done all Woods running played better passes than Woods um, Leonard gets caught out for the goal. You know, that's why you've got to have two right backs in the squad. James Brown obviously isn't isn't good enough because if he's a recognised right back and you're playing yeah. by Leonard there, um Danny McNamara uh, is McNamara, it? yeah. Danny yeah, McNamara. name right, Harry. Come on, get people's yeah. name right. What's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So um <laughs> all 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 I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when when we get round to a transfer window again, we've got to recall all the loans because we, we can't our squad is not big enough to have five. Oh, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I so, just, you know, you've got to take... Who is out, who is out on loan? I mean, like, it, the entire... I, I apologise. You know, this is just shit research for uh, me. I think it's know. McNamara and there's a kid scoring goals for fun for Sutton, who's a local... Boy, Isaac, so Isaac, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so instead of that... Up, but, I mean, he can't be any worse than Bob Larson. I don't I mean, get... Would, wouldn't, like, the club ideally look at Another loan deal, maybe another another couple of loan deals to bring in, uh, or maybe one. I guess. Um, I mean, listening to Gary Rabbit last night, he was talking about how Kenneth Sahore, who's is, is going to be a big part player, well, yeah. a big player. Yeah, I think Ryan asked Ryan, uh, our own Ryan, um, was in in the press conference. I think he asked Shout Gary Rabbit, and I think um, the hope is that Zahor is is back sometime in December. But I mean, you know, just to just to dwell on the on the earlier point, um, what choices does does Gary Rowett have? I mean, you look at the look at the injured list there. I mean, um, Bradshaw. Okay, we, we can argue about his his quality at this level, but he's he's an experienced striker. Zohor, we, we what we have seen of him looked spot on. You know, he could have made a difference a few times in these these recent uh, drawn games. Um, Bennett, Mason Bennett, um, I always like, but he does seem fragile. Billy Mitchell, very, very unlucky to, to injure himself again. Connor Mahoney, um, again, a talent, you know, he, he blows hot and cold. Marlon Romeo, we know all about, he's out injured. Um, you know, these are all these are all game-changing players in the right situation. They're not available. So I I, I know what you mean, Harry. I mean, it's, it's it was at times uninspiring viewing last night, certainly the first half, which was pretty featureless up until... Jed whacked in that 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 great goal, um, but you just look at the bench and what's available, and you 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 don't really have much to play with. He hasn't got much in the in the way of cards up his sleeve to bring on, has he? No, I I agree to a point, but also do you, do you not think that if this is a long term project for Gary Rowley, if yeah. this is a long term project, surely an empty den, and you know exactly what I mean by this, and everyone's going to know exactly what I mean by this, an empty den with young, with no or no crowd and our youngsters getting the experience of playing there and not being scared yeah. is the ideal situation. Because how many youngsters have we seen melt in, in that in the den atmosphere, you know, when, when they're called upon? I mean, if you're not going to give 
Hayden Muller um, a chance, if you're not going to give Tyler Berry a chance, if you're going to not play James Brown and start to get overrun in the midfield like you did in the last 20 minutes last, last night, if you're not going to move Leonard into midfield for legs and you're going to bring James Brown on, then, then there's no point in being here anymore. And it goes back to what Aaron said at the start of the season around recruitment. There was hundreds of players released by clubs. There was a, a free agent list as long as you're armed. And Millwall just, for some unknown reason, said we were all right with what we have, which is very Millwall. But if you stand still, you, you get punished. And we've been punished by yeah, you know, change mid-season and, and, and having a bad season for injuries, which... We haven't had in a few years. I can't really remember the last time, maybe under Jacket or maybe very, very beginning of Harris. But I can't remember us having this many injuries for a long time. It's just the law of averages. But I think that Aaron, Aaron's right in what he said on previous shows is that Mill squad was thin. You couldn't afford to get injuries. We've got injuries. And, you know, the five sub rule helps bigger squads. And we've got a small squad. And our small squad is completely decimated with injuries. Is is this? I want to. I want to ask a question, boys. But what Gary Rout is doing? Is this something we're going to see? Is he looking to build something here over a period of two, three years? Is this club ready to actually challenge for a playoff push for for maybe a position in the Premier League? I I, I get that. Obviously, you know when people look at the Premier League, they look at the riches of the Premier League and the financial benefits that 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 you know a club will receive, but. Realistically, is Millwall ready for the Premier League? Will they go there and, and be sort of swallowed up and spat back out? Or is Gary Rabbit looking to build something? Obviously, we see like he's trying to build a core. I, I personally think he's trying to build a core. Whether Bart forms part of that core, I'm not sure, because, purely because of his age. But I apologise, that was very unprofessional of me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, um, is, is he's looking to build a core around the likes of Cooper, Jed Wallace... I think Ryan Woods is certainly part of that core as well. I think if Jason Lumbee could have come back, he would have been part of that core. You know, and, and I just think maybe this is a long-term project and it's going to be one of them sort of slowly, slowly catchy monkey things. I don't know what you chaps think, Michael, Nick, what, what, what are you feeling on that? I, I do agree with that. And I, I think the players that you've picked out there is, is a good core. Um, going back to the, the start of your point, um, this season, as we've said many, many a times, even before the season started, this is the season that would have been Mill's best opportunity to go up. Um, we're considering some of the teams that there, even like even the one we said who was one of the favourites to go up, or in our minds, Forest, um, down the bottom of the table. So that's another team that we, we don't have to worry about. Um, I don't think we've grasped the opportunity. I think you're right with the core, um, but we just... We just don't really have much up top. Um, you say about long-term projects. Well, if, it, if, if it's a long-term project, you, you sort of got to start getting in better strikers, if you will, rather than sort of relying on these ones because these, these ones at the moment aren't going to get you anywhere. Now, you can talk about tactics or you can talk about overall ability. I think there's a mixture of the two there. But if you look, if you look, at, the, uh, if you look at the top goal scorers, Jed Wallace, Jed Wallace is our top goal scorer with five. Then you've got Matt Smith with three. I mean, how many games have we played now? Um, 14, 13. 14 games 14, 14 games and, you, and between your centre forward you've got what one two three, um, five goals in 14 games how many games has Nat Smith played? he hasn't started no, this, yeah, but, this, but this is but this is also this is also what I was going to touch on as well well Harry you're right there but this is what I was going to touch on as well with him if he's your top goal scorer and he does always have a sort of bit of a threat 
when he is on the pitch. I know you can sort of just lump the ball up to him and he'll win headers or, or whatnot. But why did you only give him 15 minutes last night? Or if we're in such a bad situation with with squad players, why didn't he start? Well, because he's useless without the ball. That That's simply the, the tactical reason for it. Um, Rowett likes to press from the front foot and Matt Smith can't do it. He also won't drop Woods. Uh, there's there's players that will never get dropped. Cooper, Hutchinson, Barr, Woods. That's probably... I think, you're, I think you're being harsh with Woods. I think Woods didn't have a bad game last night. I thought he was pretty I, consistent. I'm not, I'm not saying that he has a bad game. I'm just saying that he, in games when it's like that, the first half is exactly the reason he should play. The second half is the exact reason why he needs someone to do his running. That That is it. The first half, Williams done all his running for him, won the ball back for him. But he takes the ball and he's negative. He gives the ball back. Managers like players like that, though, Harry, don't yeah, they? they, they that, that's fine. But we're talking about strikers and distribution. Now, football is about the denial of space yep. and the creation of space, right? And if you go backwards, you allow the other team to set, yeah? And that's what Reading done. After that first 15 minutes, they worked out, Millwall just want to spray this wide to Wallace. Malone's not a left winger. I thought he had an all right game, but not a left winger. No, he's not. And the teams no. work us out. We've got one plan. At the moment, we've got one plan. And if that doesn't work, it's hit the emergency Matt Smith button. And that doesn't work because normally by the time we bring Matt Smith on, they've worked out to stop Jed, they stop Millwall. Or we've we've picked up another injury or we're knackered and we're struggling late on in games. We can see goals quickly after restarts, which was a problem after the, the big restart last season, the end of last season. Um, I think back to the Derby game uh, specifically. I, I just think we are... I think the squad, uh, you know, we always talk about what that, the squad spirit and all, all that. And I wonder if they believe anymore. I, I don't think they believe. And, and I, I, I generally say that because they look, they look lost. You know, there's no, I, I think we massively lack a leader in the, you know, I, anyone I, on the pitch. I agree with that, you massively lack a leader. I think there's a, a gap, a lack of creativity from, from, from the centre of midfield. Someone who can, pick up the ball, relieve the pressure off of Jed so Jed can move into better positions that he's getting into now, than he's getting into now. The problem with Jed Wallace is he's dropping so deep because he's trying to do all the work for the team. If you watch him play, he sits in the centre, then drifts out wide, sits in the centre, drifts out wide. And, and he's doing more and more and more and more and more. And again, I'm telling you, I'm predicting it. We're going to see Jed Wallace burnout come soon and then people are going to turn around on social media and go, oh, Jed Wallace is shit. So... There needs to be that player in midfield, that conduit in midfield. Yes, Woods has a role. Woods is very much built like a Michael Carrick. He's a, he's a passer of the ball. He's a 7 out of 10, someone who's going to do the basics right. Sean Williams is an enforcer. He's an ageing enforcer. And, and granted, mm. he's going to need replacing soon as well. You're going to need a dickhead in midfield to do the dirty work for him. But you also need that third man, that third man that can create something. And do you know what? Someone like a Lee Tomlin, I know he gets, you know, shit for his his figure, you know, uh, if you like. But I think he is a, is a fantastic creator, a really, really good creator. Someone like Stefan Johansson, um, you know, on, on the fringes of Fulham. I mean, if, if they could, if, if someone could get him out of the club, I'd go and get Kevin McDonald and Stefan Johansson out of Fulham. They're two class acts of midfielders. And unfortunately, Fulham's sheer sort of stupidity has seen them, you know, uh, uh, push them out of their um, push them out of their their Premier League squad. Players like that would be fantastic. I just wonder who they're eyeing up. I suppose this was seen as a big season for Billy Billy Mitchell, and he's been injured a lot. Um, and then you know we don't know how long he's going to be out for um, now. So 
that's left a gap. People online still talk about Jason Malumbi, and it's like, you know, like the girlfriend that dumped you when you were 14, yearning for her to come back, you know. Um, it, the, 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 the creativity is missing. I mean, I think everyone's looking at the same game and you can see that there's not much happening from midfield. Um, in fairness to Ryan Woods, just want to come back to him. I mean, I, I, I take your point, Harry, that he's... Um, it's hard to see what people rave about him sometimes, but in fairness to him, there wasn't much movement in front of him that would give him a chance to spray these long quarterback style passes. That seems to be his, you know, is his, his, in his repertoire. Um, Malone, I don't know about playing him further forwards. He's, he, he doesn't seem to, um, you know, he doesn't seem to be quite the, um, the, the thing we need there, which again takes me back to Yuri Skalak sat on the bench on whatever he's on however many thousands of pounds a week if he's if he's not out there then what, what what's i know we're stuck with him for i mean he, he must be embarrassed when he sees scott malone a he left should be a, a left wing he doesn't he think to himself for fuck's sake what am i doing if you're not yuri scalat today bang on gary rat's door going hey get me out of here like release me stick to, let me something go to something needs to happen and the thing is as well so just just to touch on what you were saying there about jed Aaron, and, and apologies to listeners who have either been involved in my Twitter rants over the last 24 hours or have seen them. But this this goes back to it as well, like with the midfield. Mill will play a sort of possession, um, a game, should I say, or a formation which seems to pack out the midfield or it seems to put sort of two two um, who sit deep and one up, one just in front. But I just I just cannot understand the, 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 the need for the likes of Jed Wallace stop what he's normally doing to have to cut inside and help out or Troy Parrott to have to drop 30 yards to help out two players who by reputation can pick passes. The likes of the likes of Troy Parrott or even Bradshaw, the way Bradshaw can like beat the back line with his pace. Um, you know, when, when um, I know his pace is a little bit um, undecided since he's come back from injury, but for those two types of players in Williams and Woods, we'd be able to pick out passes all day long. Parrott doesn't even need to go into his own half. He just literally needs to wait up top just for balls to be pinned into him all the time. I just can't understand. Um, I just, I just can't understand why we we seem to be so poor distribution wise in the midfield in that final third. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to Achtung Normal. What do we think of Parrot, incidentally, chaps? I mean, that was probably our best sight of him last night. I thought he looked good, personally. What did you think? He does need someone playing. And that person, I don't think, Harry, is, is not Ben Thompson as a, as a second oh. striker. Oh, it's Bradshaw. It's Bradshaw. He's all. Yeah, who, who apparently was injured. He was injured last night, wasn't he? I mean, I, I, I'm going to say something controversial because I know that, um, you know, we, we everyone at Mill loves Ben Thompson and rightly so because he is who he is. But I don't think... I don't think the quality is there in these kinds of roles. He brings a lot of enthusiasm. He brings a lot of Millwall energy and he really, you know, he, he cares like we all do about Millwall, but I just don't think he's got the... He's very he's light quality. Weight, isn't he? He's light. He's, I mean, smallness is not necessarily a, an obstacle if, 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 you, bring, if you bring the, 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 the playing now. I so think I think it's in the championship. I, I think it is massively in the championship. That's that's a, that's a league where I mean the amount of times I saw Ben Thompson get fucking poleaxed on Saturday and I'm sat there like oh poor bastard, you know, because we know the quality he's got. You 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 know there is quality in there. There's a really good you know creative brain in there, but he gets absolutely you know banged up. And when someone like a Ryan Shawcross comes up to him, or or you know sort of insert centre half name there and just goes to him. He's not. He's going to lose every single time. I really think he's lightweight. I, I for, for to play in midfield, to play an attacking midfield, where in that league it's it's not easy. It's, it's interesting. Really- I mean, just on that point, physicality, shall we call it, as a, as a general concept. I, I make you right, Aaron, because it was just interesting. Um, the goal that uh, we conceded against, um, it was a game on Saturday, it was Cardiff, wasn't it? They were strong side and Sean Hutchison held off by the physical strength of their striker. Was it Kiefer? Kiefer Moore, wasn't it? Kiefer Moore. lost out. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, I think, I think there's a point in there and I think Ben's size will possibly be um, part of it. I think he's really, really enthusiastic player and he brings energy and I love to see him play and, you know, nothing more that... I would love them, one of our own, to come through. I just think Rowett that, don't like him, does he? he no, just but, but look at look at the what it is. Look at the players that Rowett likes against the, the players that he doesn't like. I mean, it's a very general way to put it, Harry. But you know, like I mean, possession-based, boring football players. Was it, no, well, Zohor, for example. I mean, when we with the little brief glimpse we saw of him gave us a clue as to what kind of player we're aspiring towards and that that there's a different level and that's that's you know we all know it. I mean, Aaron asked earlier on about the Premier League and there's a different level in the Premier League and no this this squad to answer that question Aaron is not it's not it's not, not going to last long in, in Premier League football is it it's, it just wouldn't um it might do well in the kind of mid to upper ranges of the championship but I can't see it holding its own at that top in that top flight I mean if you want if you want to get promoted you need to spend money in this window it's that simple you do it's yeah best, I agree it's, best chance, yeah, it's your best chance it's your best chance the league is so tight, it is your best chance. So many clubs have risked it. So many clubs financially have risked it. Army Wall are risking tight. I don't think they are. So I don't think we're going to sign anyone. I think it'll be loans. And one, be- one, thing, one thing I'll tell you about those loans, sorry, Harry, just to chuck in the back of that. If the Derby takeover doesn't happen by January and they don't sign anyone because Mel Morris isn't putting any more money into the club, they recall Scott Malone, someone like that, you know? No, I mean... They could do. They could. They could. They could do. You lose another player. Um, 
and and the squad the squad gets smaller. Are they gonna want to pay his wages though, Aaron. Mate, the thing is, he's still their player. Yeah, I suppose. He's better, he's better than what they've got. Let's be fair. He's better yeah. than what they've got. You look at that table though. Yeah, it's it's taking a bit of shape, and obviously, I, I always thought Norwich would be one of the the front runners. I think everyone's sort of su- surprised that Bristol City and Swansea are up there. Reading are, are very much a shot, but it's going to take more shape, and especially as teams aren't sort of spending money, it's it's very much a, a buyers and loaners market come come January. I want to I want to say something positive about last night, and and that is that Reading came to the, the den on the back of a few losses, but they'd had a blistering start to the season. We, we've touched on that previously, and I, I was reading the comments of the manager, whose name escapes me, as a is a, is a Serbian guy, I think. So. Right, they'll change they'll change it within six minutes, mate. They'll change the manager. Already. He's, he's described them as a, as a as a kind of team that wants to go out and win every game. So I guess on that basis, you're going to lose some, you're going to win some. Um, their, their goal and I'm speaking from memory listeners I haven't seen it since watching it last night but that was a ball over the top that opened their defence up like a like a can of tomatoes and their striker again showed good skill to to get the ball on target and put it through unfortunately for Bart through his legs and that was a little moment of quality um, and I think you know if we're searching for the magic ingredient from the Millwall perspective a Troy Parrott apart, perhaps. We haven't seen enough of him yet, but we do lack that kind of Kiefer Moore, um, Joao-style ability to get one chance and take it because they didn't have another chance through the whole game until the last moment of the match when there was the last kick and they, they, yeah. they skimmed the post. That was their one chance apart from the last moment. So that's a we are a very good defensive side, but you, you're... You, you have to take your chances going forward. And we did create some chances, Harry. We had, I've got three chances marked out on my little list that I kept here last night and obviously the dead goal. So three chances, not one taken. That's, 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 that's in the, the balance sheet at the end of the day, isn't it? That's, that's what yeah. I lost. I mean, you shouldn't... The goal, I mean, you're saying they got opened up. They got opened up because Leonard tried to get in front of his man and he just sort of... Shielded him off the ball. And, okay, uh, I, I haven't seen it since real time. So, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I watched it again because I wanted to know how he wasn't offside. Because I was like, surely offside. No, no one keeps a line as bad as that. And it wasn't a bad line. It was just a bad decision by Leonard. But yeah. he's playing out of position. But the, um, I mean, they get fortunate in their chance. I wouldn't say that was a moment of quality. I'm saying that that was that was just the striker's chance. If you know what I mean, those go for you or they don't. Because Bart spread himself and it's clipped the back of his heel and gone in. Yeah. But, that those when you lucks out, you lucks out, and it and and get out at the moment. I, I'm disappointed because I think that we're a better side than our manager believes us to be, uh, and when we're fully fit, I'd like to point out. Um, I think Rao, it's very defensive minded, and that's fine. That that's fine away from home, but the home form would not be acceptable if we were there. Um, I, I, I you know, I've no. I've been to Millwall and heard shit, shit, shit at a nil nil draw. We all have, you know. Um, we're coming to a crossroads of what we want to be. Are we a mid-table side? We've never really... We, we don't accept beige. You, you know this more than anyone. We don't mm. accept beige. And the season is is looking like it might be a, a rather disgusting blend of tapioca. And, and that doesn't bode well because I don't think 2,000 fans possibly in the den are going to be particularly overwhelmed with, with drawing a load of home games and not being able to go away where we look like we're going to get results because we're set up as a counter-attacking, punching side. Just one more point on Jed is that Jed almost can play wherever he wants. I think he's got the quality to do that. Now, 
if we are going to bring back Danny McNamara, if we're going to get Romeo back, I think maybe it is time that Jed moves to the left or gets the free roll behind behind Parrot. Maybe you let Jed just do let Jed become the artist and 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 work around Jed. You've got you know other teams set themselves up to play around their best players. We all seem more worried about the opposition than what we can do. And um, that's not a promotion mindset, you know what no. I mean? I've got a couple of quotes I picked up from the net last night from Twitter. Matt Richards said quite a few times, we get into good positions, but then go backwards, hold on to the ball a bit more, not get the ball into the box. We seem to play sometimes with the handbrake on, as he puts it. I think it's quite a nice image, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, very frustrating. Even, still, even then, we had a few chances and should have won. Same old, same old. And in reply... Freddie Jackson says same thing that I thought uh, we've lost that counter-attacking pace because we're more comfortable with the ball. I think he's meaning that was a half criticism, half not. We're yeah. more comfortable with the ball. Too many times a quick first-time pass could have been released, but we turned backwards to the halfway line. And that was a that was a repetitive feature of the game, well, the games recently, Harry, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, we, we seem to get into position and then kind of start back from where we came. It's um, it's frustrating to... to I, call it, I call it the Dave Livermore effect. <laughs> Livermore syndrome. <laughs> yeah. You used to remember, people of a certain age will remember that Dave Livermore, you didn't know what he'd done, but if he didn't play in the midfield, we got battered. Um, I think Woods might be like that, you know, if we don't play, everything's got to go through him. Um, yeah, uh, I think they won. Tenor, Harry, he's a seven out of tenner. You've got to have those seven out of tenners. Yeah, that's, that's, he's, he's, that's, like, he's like Dennis Irwin was back in the day. You don't that's, know what he did, but to be fair, he did a seven out. He gave you a seven out of ten every week. Absolutely, but that's fine. But we need to find someone that can play in midfield with him, and that we haven't got that. And I think it makes him a worse player. I'm not trying to dig Woods out. There are more problems than Woods, but in this particular system at the moment, we're saying that we seem to. You know, we're very possession-based and then we concede an odd goal. We create free chances. But, you know, I haven't seen us getting behind anyone for fucking months. You know yeah. what I mean? We were supposed yeah. to have these two big fucking long ball specialist midfielders in this system. And we don't, We never play a channel ball. We never get out. We never go quick. We never just go long. We never. We, we just don't seem to believe in in ourselves going Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, that's what I said earlier, wasn't it? Where... Um you've got these two players who should be out of picking out balls and the likes of Parrot should be like just standing on the edge of 18 yard, yard box with his hand up for 90 minutes going, give me the ball. But yeah, no, I agree, Parrot. Let's, let's close last night's review. There's a nice tweet here from our own Mike, Mikey Hayden. Um, he says, it's a tough, this is a tough spell at the moment. Injuries and a small squad are killing our chance. I think we've, we've all, all on board with that, Mike. Um, that said, we've had enough chances to win the last three, which we've missed. And in reply, a bloke called David Cockerill says uh, he, he thinks we're better than we could have wished for 18 months ago. So come on, you Lions. I think we're doing great and improving. Um, I think we've, we're probably, I think whether we're improving or not at the moment is the debate there, David, because I think we, we, we have improved. That's, that's for sure. And we're, we're plateaued. We're, we're plateaued. We're not relegation fodder and we won't be this season. I, I genuinely believe we won't be. We're too good a defensive side. But um, to answer, it goes back to Aaron's point at the start of the conversation. You know, you've got to be looking upwards, and that at some point means you've got to be building a framework for the very top flight. And we we wouldn't last five minutes, I think, at the moment in that in that kind of environment. But um, I just want to want to touch on um, the tier announcements, which has caught me slightly off, on my agenda off guard, listeners. I do try and do well, an agenda. <laughs> We're in tier two. It means we can have a couple of thousand people. Hey. <laughs> That's our next game. Um, I can't remember. Is it Derby? Is is going to be the game? Oh, we're allowed to go. We're allowed to go. 
Well, only if, only if you're not depends testing positive. Tier, depends what tier you're in, Harry. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Well, well, technically, I count as Havering, which is the highest, uh, the highest, I think it's one of the highest in London. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, I think, I think, well, moving on, but yes, um, I think it's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it, let's be let's be um, let's be realistic because I mean, the, whatever the rights and wrongs of the tier system, it's a government-imposed system, and you know, the, there's a whole debate about that which we won't touch on. But it is good news, at least, that some games, including our own beloved Millwall, will start to have some fans allowed back in into the ground. Um, me, um, no, no, I, 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 I won't go until I have been vaccinated uh-huh. and until I feel it is for that reason until I feel that I will be safe enough not so much for me because I'll take my own chances but it's for my family members who um, I don't have the right to impose my risk on them and that's that they we have caring responsibilities that mean that they yeah. would be um, it would not be appropriate so um, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I am a, I am a vaxxer. I believe that vaccinations are the biggest single advance in mankind's history. Did they so. used to make hoovers? Vaxxer. They do make, there's a vax. They're, they're, yeah, vax. That's vax, V-A-X. Also, hoovers, hoovers is a brand, mate. It's a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and vacuum, and vacuum is... And, what about you chaps? Michael, Harry, are you going to go? If, well, Harry, I know you've got um, a situation at the moment, but... Um, once, you, yeah. Once you're out of the woods, are you, will you go, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. I mean, if I'm forced to go to work, then I'm going to football. That's that's <laughs> always been my fucking thing. If we're safe enough to go to work, I'm safe enough to go to football. I just <laughs> I want to see how they're going to divvy up tickets and mm. season tickets. Going back many many months, back to the summer when we were we had that golden opportunity where everything seemed rosy and look, you know. I remember sitting on my decking down my van and Nick talking Rick, about going to the pub, weren't we? At one yeah, point, yeah, we were talking about you know all the all these lovely sort of um, sunshine <laughs> lit uplands and, and you yeah. know, like cricket on long lawns and all this <laughs> conservative imagery, and then we end up you know sort of dour, dour winter of discontent. Um, I mean, I think what was it, three thousand season tickets or two and a half thousand? Uh, well, the original the original game plan was from October. We were going to have one third capacity. It was about just short of six thousand, I think. Michael, wasn't it? The, the club were planning for something originally. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. Something so, it's, yeah, um, so, how many have they actually sold? Like people like because obviously I, I know I've got free tickets. I've basically edged me bets that would be done by Christmas. Um, which it's not really that bad um, in terms of guessing. But um, I thought we'd we'd be back earlier. But was I willing to to take the opportunity to get the games for free and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I basically thought it was worth doing. Because um, what else am I going to do on a Saturday at three o'clock? Um, and, and you know, I, I've got three. I know, Nick, you've not got one. Got, so uh, no, I've got one. Yeah, I've got a season you, ticket. You've got yeah. one. So yeah, you've, I bought one. So yeah. You're dropping out. Do you understand what I mean? So I wonder how many people... Millwall are actually going to have to do some work here, which is which terrifies me, because we don't tend to do work very well. Well, I think it's, it's an un, uh, a thankless task. I mean, you know, I mean, any of us on this pod and I'd ask the listeners too, you, you try and come up with a fair scheme that satisfies um, how many at home, you know, maybe 12,000 people trying to get that into 2,000. I don't know how you're going to do that. Gonna make no one happy. I think the MSC, uh, what, what the MSC should come up with something. <laughs> yeah. I'll kind of have office done. Um, <laughs> but, but what I've, what I've heard is they're going to use the, um, um, the admin staff um, of the club shop to arrange it. 
Oh, good. Lurch is going to turn up and just like bar the, bar the way. He's going to be standing there. You shall not pass. Like, well, he like, was he was doing the temperature checks the other day, mate. I just saw this massive hand just coming through my car window. I was like, "Fuck, Ian Elson!" Literally, <laughs> can I take your temperature? The best bit of it is yeah. the, be, the best bit of it is as well, though, Harry. Seeing as you've not seen the tears yet, or um, listeners who haven't seen it yet. Gillingham and Leeds are in tier three, so they can't have fans. Oh, <laughs> I'm not worried about Gillingham, fuck them, but Leeds. Oh, that's glorious. If you're enjoying Afton Mill podcast, then why not help us grow the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? We'd love it. Love it. If you visit the Apple link in the show notes and leave us a rating and a review. Afton Mill is the number one podcast broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey. No show sponsors, no Patreon, and no TikTok accounts. Thank you, dear listeners, and as always, Arrivederci Millwall. We can't, we can't have this show, boys, and I know I'm, Aaron's going to groan now, because I think you've done a show on this last night, Aaron. Um, the death of Diego Maradona. I think we also yeah. mentioned it in passing. Um, you, you, had, you have some interesting views, Aaron Paul. I just wanted to draw you out on your views on, on, on Diego Maradona. I, just, I was never a, um, never a fan of, okay. of his. I respect the fact that, you know, he, he, was, a, he, was, he was an excellent footballer. But for me, just, just looking at him, he, he was a cheat. He cheated in, in, in the game. You know, I look at sport and I look at um, the definition of sport. I go back to my history of sport lectures when I, when I did my, my, my sports journalism BA. Um, and, and, you know, the definition of sport is, um, you know, a game or, or an event where the outcome is unpredictable. And he effectively, with the hand of God, basically, you know, he cheated. And, yeah. and it's the same as Thierry Henry in, yeah. in 2010. Fabulous player, but I don't really like him anymore. I see him and I'm like, for fuck's sake, Thierry Henry. I, I always thought I'd look at Thierry Henry afterwards and I'd hold him in that same light, you know, after watching him sort of in the early to mid-2000s, you know, as this, as this fabulous footballer. But he's gone down in my estimations. Luis Suarez, a fantastic footballer, a racist bastard and, and a cheater. He bites, he pinches, he pulls, he does whatever he does. And to, to gain some, yeah, to gain some form of competitive advantage. It's not right. Play the game properly. And that's why I look at proper players. And, you know, a lot of people turn around to me and go, oh, well, Roy Keane used to foul people. I had someone saying to me, yes, Roy Keane used to foul people. And I said, well, Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira are actually great examples. They, 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 they used to play hard, but they were very fair. If you ask Roy Keane to cheat, he'd tell you to fuck off. If you ask Patrick Vieira to cheat, he'd tell you to fuck off. And that's why they actually, there's a, there's a mutual respect between the two. But with Maradona, he accepted the fact that he cheated. I think the way he handled himself outside in his in his public life as well, he could have done a lot more as a role model to to kids in some of the poorest parts of, of South America because he came from a shanty town in South America. He could have done so much more. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying he didn't do anything. I'm saying he did do bits, but he could have done more. He he was looked up as this this sort of this god, but I just. I never was a fan. I was telling Nick that I got actually a signed Diego Maradona shirt for my 21st birthday. Nice gold frame, Argentina shirt, Diego Maradona signed, and I stuck it on eBay. I, I have no... I wait. <laughs> worth more now. I've, I've made, I got like 400 quid for it, and I was like, yeah, cool. So I have no interest um, in it. I, I, I prefer looking at players who, who, who played the game properly. 
Um, where um, does he rank? Sorry, um, to cut across you, Aaron. Where does he rank for you, Nick? Obviously, being older than the the rest of the panel um, mm. and having more seen more greats, um, where does he rank for you? I mean, you saw him at Wembley, but you saw his feet. I saw his feet. Uh, the, that's that's due to the design of the terraces of the old Wembley Stadium, which actually you cut at the bottom, which is where I'd managed to squeeze in. I mean, that was 1980. England played Argentina, and he was at that point the kind of wonder kid, you know, the the new prospects and Argentina was still world champions from, from 78. Um, I, I don't remember an awful lot of it because the view was so poor that um, you, it was only watching the, the, the video um, subsequently that gave you a real sense of his impact on the game. But I can say I saw him. I can, I can say I saw George Best in his... Um, sadder days at Fulham, you know, he was he was not in his in his heyday, but it's still it's still something to be in the same stadium as the the greatest players of all time, in my opinion. Maradona certainly features there. But if you ask me, when I was in my teens, who the greatest players in the world were, because you always judge it by who's around when you're a kid, you know, in your in your teenage years, I probably would have said Pele, although I never really saw him in all honesty, because he was just slightly predated my time in the early 70s. But the player for me was Johan Cruyff, because um, he was the Dutch master and he could do the Cruyff turn and he was an influential player and, and very much um, his own man in a, in a, in a different way to, to Maradona. Um, Maradona, one of the greatest players of all time, but then, you know, so too, I'd argue, would be the likes of, of um, a best who was um, a superstar when that term hadn't been invented and could do things that nobody else could do. And equally, in a, in a, in a funny kind of way, as, as, as with Diego Maradona, was also slightly only alive on the football pitch, you know, take him off the football pitch. And all he wanted to do was get on the piss. And I'm sure he had a great time chasing Miss World. But, you know, what I mean, there's a slight emptiness to the yeah. off-field, um, you know, existing. Same with Paul Gascoigne, Harry. Another immense player, but... Only on the football pitch, you know. Um, I, it, it's it's interesting because I mean the two greats nowadays would be Cristiano Ronaldo, who I rate very very highly, and yet wouldn't probably be in the same seen in the same level as as Diego, and yet I think is a an absolutely immense player, a man that wins games single handedly. Um, and Lionel Messi again, probably as gifted as as Maradona, um, but without the chaos, you know. Um, it's uh, it, it's hard to answer questions like because it's always it's always who yeah. was around when you were young. That's 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 the that's the key to music, um, whatever you like. Everything's brilliant when you're young, and afterwards seems slightly not as good. Um, but having seen George Best and seen Maradona, I think that's quite a, and Gascoigne actually. Um, that's that's quite a trio to say that you've actually been in the same stadium. Quite you know, it's nice nice thing to be able to tell my my nephew. So, yeah. I, was, I regret the fact that Maradona. I mean, I, I actually stayed up to watch the the film um, last night. It was on. It was on four last night. Yeah. by the schedule as well. They're absolutely top end work, there, lads. Um, <laughs> Is that made by the same people that made Sinner? I have no idea. It's a guy called Asif Kapadia who made it. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, I stayed up to watch it, and you know, the way he he took Napoli was absolutely brilliant. He was a nomadic player. He was someone who. Who, who lifted the spirits of this club, who hadn't won a league in something like 16 years, 15 years, and they won and won the Scudetto. Um, oh. and, and, you know, you see the celebrations and how he was treated in Napoli. Yes, I, I, I agree. He was, a, he was a brilliant footballer. Just not for me, though. Just not for me. I just, 
I don't know what it is. I I I just was never really a a a a fan. I always looked to more sort of domestic talents here. You know, when I look at the older sort of pictures, I know obviously my 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 bias towards um a certain club based in Manchester is, is evident. But you know, yes, I look at them, I look at someone like Bobby Moore. Obviously, you know, he plays for West Ham he played for West Ham United. I was always a, a massive Bobby Moore fan. Um Jeff Hurst, you know, a lot of these players, I just I really I look back at them and then obviously you go through the seventies and eighties and, and there's players, um, Nick, Brian Robson, Steve Koppel, you know, I, I, I look at them. Um, you know, some of the boys that, yeah. that are Arsenal as well. Liverpool, you know, I can respect the fact. Mate, I, I, I don't like Liverpool, I fully admit. Every, anyone who knows me knows I have a passionate dislike of Liverpool. But I will never deny that Kenny Dalglish. Kenny Dalglish was a brilliant player. Graham Souness was a brilliant player. Um, you know, all of these players, Ian Rush, they, they, they were absolutely fantastic footballers. I just don't know why, but Diego Maradona for me, he just never, never. I was never tired. I was never Michael, where does Maradona sit in your particular pyramid of of, of the greats? Um, is he up there for you? He's not very petal, is he? Um, <laughs> <Perhaps but>, uh, <laughs> I'm going to run through some internet comments in a moment when you're, when you're done, because yeah. some of these are quite amusing. But now go, please. <laughs> no, um, I've, do, do you know what's slightly similar to, to Aaron in the sense that. It's a, it's a combination of he cheated um, and that it, it wasn't even subtle, was it? It, it was rather blatant. He wasn't a professional foul. But yeah. um, but also slightly touching on what you were saying there, Nick, as well. It, it was it was a sort of little bit before my my time. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I remember the 94 World yeah. Cup when he when he played well in that, that crazy celebration when he runs towards the camera. I think um, he was un- yeah. under, un- under stimulation at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, that was indeed, indeed. Legend. Indeed. But I mean, but but going back to what you're saying as well, I've I've always always been um, a huge fan of Messi um, for his whole career, like for how young he was, um, and I've always was on the or how good he was for how young he was, and I've always been on the Messi side of the Ronaldo and Messi argument. Um, but yeah, no, you 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 can't argue with what Maradona did when you look at all the old clips. Um, as, as you say, he, he sort of single-handedly won World Cups. He single-handedly won games. Um, and also, to a degree, where you, what you were standing on Aaron with his background, I think, isn't it Argentina in, are in three days of mourning? Yeah. That, that Maradona's um, passed away. You know, you can, there's, there's, the, um, there's the campaign that Andro, Andre Villas-Boas wants to start, that every single number 10 shirt should be retired in football. Yeah, I mean, that's a well, bit strong. I mean, Matt Smith's got every claim to that number 10 shirt, hasn't he? Exactly. I mean, I mean what about poor Fred on a dimmer? It'd be devastating. On a baby. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, he, he, yes, he's, you, you can see how much he meant to that country. Absolutely. Um, and I think one of the arguments why um, Messi isn't is embraced globally as Maradona is, is because he's not done it massively on an international scale and a lot of the Argentinians allegedly sort of call him the Catalonian because he seems more obsessed with Spain and Barcelona than he does with Argentina but no back to the point personally um, yes I'd, I wouldn't put Maradona as the best of all time um, but I will yeah we'll, we'll acknowledge his class in, in some of the goals he scored certainly 
I, I asked the question, I mean, I, I, I distinguish between who you've seen on TV, which, um, you know, we've all seen everyone on TV now, but um, players that you, greats that you've been in the same stadium as, so mine being Maradona for Argentina at Wembley, George Best in his latter years for Fulham in the 1970s, and then Paul Gascoigne in his pomp, actually, yeah. for Tottenham um, in the late 1980s when he single-handedly took Millwall apart at White Hart Lane. So I said, who's, who's, who's the best players that you've actually seen play physically? Um, I'd also include Cristiano, actually, yes. uh, for Manchester United in 2004. Um, Graham um, replied, Messi. He's seen Messi play. I must be in the Barcelona trip to the, the Classico against Real Madrid and Valencia, where he scored a hat-trick on both occasions. Um, Dog of War also named us uh, Cristiano for us against in the cup final. He's yeah. also seen Zinedine Zidane. I, I've never seen him play at Hamden Park. Zizou. Zizou. And also, who can forget Robbie Ryan, who kept um, Cristiano in check before going on to a new career in um, via Welling United and London Underground in that cup final. Um, ordinary bloke, says George Best at Fulham and Rodney Marsh. Never a good player, actually, Rod Marsh. He never, never quite mm. put in this kind of category. Um, notable shout outs for Cristiano Peter Bonetti at Chelsea that's an interesting <laughs> um, he brand. was a good, good goalkeeper but, um, apart from know. 1970 yeah yeah well I, I mean it's a bit like I was talking to Brian King on the previous show and it's, it's quite hard to um, for you know because goalkeeping now is a, isn't quite the same doesn't have the same status it seems to me but at that point England as a, as a nation was blessed with up to up to eight or nine goalkeepers who could easily have been international um, England international first choice picks, and there are others from I think the Pat Jennings from from uh, Northern Ireland, and um, you know it was there was a lot of good goalkeepers around all at once, and Peter Benetti was one of them. Um, did they him instead of Alex Stepney, didn't he? Stepney, there's a, I mean there's another I mean he, Stepney I mean but for Gordon Banks should have been. England goalkeeper, um, but so you had these great and Brian, our own Brian King, in my opinion, could easily have been an international class goalkeeper, um, but kept out by the, these giants, you know. Um, and you forget how good Peter Shilton and Ray Clements were in the, in the 70s. They had actually all, alternate, they rotated game by because you couldn't pick between the two of them, which is. I'll, t- you know, I'll tell you what, Nick, I watched the original Ronaldo, Ronaldo R9. Yes. Uh, destroy my mob at Old Trafford. We beat him 4 3. Yeah. Fuck me. What a player, man. The phenomenon. Absolutely shit ourselves. Like literally, um, when when uh, I mean, he, when he turned up, they played in this black kit. I just remember, wow, just seeing this player, and he lashed one past Bartes, and you, you know, he was that player. You know, every time he got on the ball, you're like, oh, you know, there, there's something about him. Um, I've been thinking, and I've been talking to a few people actually, and I want to ask you boys this question. Obviously, we're talking about the best players that we've seen, mm. but there are a few players that who may play for your club, may play for other clubs, who actually give you joy. You you actually get this good feeling when you watch them. Like, you smile when you watch them. And I'm trying to think of the past 10 years, and there's actually three players that I've actually seen that have given me proper... like you know, Just made me feel, like, happy watching them. Um, one of them was Robin Van Persie. Okay. Um, who I just... At Manchester United, obviously not Arsenal, but, you know, just... You know that one player that lifts... The spirit is 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 just incredible. The second was Ander Herrera. I know a very dodgy choice, but someone who played with his heart. And the third was Bruno Fernandes. I was actually going to ask you boys: three players, doesn't matter what club, 
three players that, or, or a couple of players who actually just make you happy to what you know. It's a joy to watch. I'll, 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 I'll lead off. Um, I mean, there's a great clip, and I actually reposted the other day of Frank Worthington in the seventies when he did that wonderful um, ball juggle. Where he turned uh, a defence. I think he was playing for Bolton. And I can't. I think the opponents were Ipswich Town. It was in the seventies, and he kind of flipped it over the um, over his own head and fired it into the net, which was a, an absolutely breathtaking moment. And still, even when you watch it now. Um, lifts the spirits, in my opinion. Um, it, given given the higher level that we're talking about, I'm, I'm going to going to throw in, in for a Millwall one, which was um, Etienne Vivier from the 1990s, a very mysterious character who came to us from Dutch Suriname, and he single handedly destroyed Crystal Palace on I think it was a New Year's Day fixture in the mid 90s, 1990 something at the New Den. Um, then he kind of disappeared without trace, and he, you can't find much about Etienne Vivier. But he was—I um, don't think he spoke much English. Um, but he was—he was—he was a lifter of the. He was a very different player by Millwall standards, and yet somehow his memory lives on. I think that's probably all you can do. And you wanted three, Aaron, didn't you? So I'm trying well, no, to no, no, no. I'm just—I'm just asking in general. It can be from whatever era. I'm just—you know—I think. We always sit and we talk about the best players we've ever seen. You know, I can name so many players who may not be. You know, I think, I think Eric Cantona for me. Eric, well, yeah, obviously. I mean, because you can't, you can't, you cannot be a football fan and ignore his achievement. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to throw out a name from cool. a performance a long time ago at the Den, Paul mm-hmm. Merson. Merson, yeah, and he was—he was on pa- that day. Portsmouth destroyed us in the absolute. And he was past his best, Harry, at that point. Oh, he was done. He was done. Uh, well, he was struggling with a lot of things then, and I mean, Harry, the story of Harry ended up actually signing him is is hilarious. You know, obviously, when Harry put together a team of, of sort of like misfits, if you like, you know, him, Patrick Berger was in there as well, uh, Teddy Sheringham. You know, there was a real, real bunch of sort of vets and and players that are just sort of like. Lost their way, as had. And Merce was, was just so good for them, the way he did things. And, I mean, all the players, if you listen to sort of the old pods and bits and pieces, people just absolutely wax lyrical about him. Yeah. Gifted player, very gifted player. Um, I'd throw in Gascoigne's goal against the Scots in 96. I mean, it's one of those goals um, you can just watch and watch. Yeah. And I was watch there. And watch. You were there. Uh, Scotland. Uh, England when England beat Scotland was it two? Yeah, so basically, you're on, we actually lived in Wembley. Okay. So um, on the on the lampposts all around the area, they had like you know Brent Council and Wembley welcomes and like a nation and and like you know Coca Cola welcomes, mm. and I was just sat there and you know we were big. It was my sort of first second year of getting into into football, and I was so used to going going and watching Man United, and I was just like to my mum and dad. Come on, get me there, get me there. And you know, you used to come out of our house, you used to look left, and you could see you know, the old blimp, the Goodyear yeah, blimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly yeah. above the ground, the Goodyear blimp. Yeah. And I'd see the blimp and I'd, I'd run out the house and look for it. And then there was various viewpoints around the area where you could see Wembley. And for me, Wembley Stadium, that, that original Wembley, had such a majesty about it. Had it had presence. Oh, fuck me. It was the most beautiful place. I was genuinely gutted when they tore it down, you know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I was so privileged to live near it as well. And I remember begging my parents, begging and begging and begging my parents. And my dad was like, look, I don't think we're going to get tickets. I don't want to get tickets. And luckily he got some through like his accountant. And so it was me, <laughs> my dad, his accountant, uh, a guy called Michael Simpson and, uh, and Michael's like nephew or something. 
And my dad was like, right, we've got one, like, one set of tickets to one game. And I know that my dad's little brother was really pissed off that we didn't take him. But he took you. Dad, wow. He took me instead. And wow. Wow. just the atmosphere, Wembley way. I mean, they've actually just destroyed, you know, the, um, yeah. the, the well, yeah. ramp going up to Wembley. And people yeah. are sat there going, what, it's just a fucking concrete ramp. But, you know, it was that view of walking down Wembley way and going up towards the ground and then making your way around to relevant stairs and going through the big arches. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I will never ever, ever forget Euro 96. It was the first tournament I ever went to. And then seeing Gaza score what felt miles away, absolutely miles away, behind sort of the sand, you know, these have those bits, the, the bits around, around the pitch where the dog track was. With sand tracks, right? Yeah, that's right. Sand yeah. tracks. That's right. Just seeing that, oh my God, absolutely unreal. They actually that's had a worse view there than you have at the new West Ham Stadium. And, and well, anyway. yeah, but I didn't care. It was Wembley. <laughs> it was Wembley Stadium. Absolutely. You know, the, the, what they used to call the venue of legends. And, Absolutely. And it, it had such a majesty about it. Michael, yeah, give, give, us, give us your memorable moment and then we probably better close um, out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be very, very quickly. Yeah, so growing up, I used to um, enjoy um, pre-injury Snapped crucial at Michael Owen. I thought he was phenomenal when he was in his Liverpool days. Yeah. Um, he used to be really, really good to watch. Um, another one for me um, is Ronaldinho when he was at Barcelona. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Used to, I've used to absolutely love watching him b- b- before, before he started uh, partying too much and drinking too much. Um, I mean, those games with Chelsea, it was just incredible. And the way he used to literally have a smile on his face while he made top-class defenders look absolutely atrocious. Um, was for me um, but also as well an interesting one and this is like a little bit of a, a, a sort of a I used to have a subtle smirk to myself I remember I went to a Barcelona Madrid game 2007 and uh, Barcelona were absolutely pulling that day except for one player who just sprayed the ball around so nicely and I was literally in awe of the way that he was passing the ball around um, and that was Yaya Torre um, wow. And when he and he was he was incredible. The way he passed his ball around was you can't describe it. I could watch that. I could watch that awful game again just for Yaya Torres passing. Um, and I remember when Man City signed him um, after a couple of weeks, they were saying, "Oh, I don't think he can cut it out in the Premier League. I don't think he's good enough." And I used to sit there and say to people, "Give it a couple of weeks. Give it a couple of weeks." He's, he's good. And everyone's going, oh, what a waste of money. I've gone, that'll be the biggest bargain oh, Man City have ever, ever, ever spent. And then when he retired, what, last year or left Man, United, Man City last year, the year before, everyone's saying he's probably one of the best players they've ever had. So I always have a little smirk every time I see Yaya play football. We probably need some score predictions, Aaron, don't we, for Saturday? Well, I was actually going to just bring on one more point. Go on, go on. Um, And that is, um, I wanted to shout out Mr. Bye for now. Um, or Mr. Byfernal Jr., whoever's deputising in his place. Yep. Um, for for the deep house that has been <laughs> being played at rather rascal volumes at the Den pre-game. Like <laughs> it's like silent, and then two o'clock, bang! You feel like you're either in a spin class or in like for them. You know, like literally, they are playing some absolutely. Filthy, filthy tunes. And I did have to shout out Mr. Byfernow on Five Live Sport on Saturday, uh, purely because the volume. I had the producer turn around going, have you got an Atmos, Mike? And I'm like, no, why? They go, it's bumping there. I'm like, I know. You know, uh, a few members of the press uh, were, were, were very much infused by, um, by by the tunes supplied by Mr. Byfernow. So, uh, Fantastic. Well done to him. Uh, let's have some predictions, though. Birmingham City uh, are the next opponents. 
Uh, I believe they're playing at St. Andrews, which is being rebranded the Trillion Trophy Asia <laughs> Stadium. Uh, I, I don't know. Birmingham, in a poor run of form, they, they can't buy a win at the moment. I talk Aranka's come in, sort of steadied the ship. But, um, you know, I, I don't think they've won in five. They haven't won in five. That's right. Um, they actually lost to Wickham Wanderers as well. They lost to Wickham yeah. Wow, wow. So who was that making that? Was that Mark, you, Michael, Harry? No, that was me laughing at them getting beat by Wickham. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> um, they got beat by the choir boys of, of Wickham. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're 17th in the league. Um, I mean, look, anyone with any sense would probably say this could be a draw. Two draws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Millwood, seven draws. Birmingham with six. Chat. Oh, heart and head. Um, head. Probably going to have to win this. I mean, who can see past the draw, Aaron? I think we both get a goal each. So Birmingham one, Millwall one. Harry? Harold, I will say, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a nil-nil draw. This is not inspiring, is it, Michael? Michael Avery, <laughs> Birmingham City nil, Millwall two. Ooh, wow! Oh, that's wow! Wow! Who's going to score these magical mystery goals, Michael? <laughs> Yeah, I've just, I've just, I've just given up all hope, um, and I'm just being optimistic. Was the seven stages of denial? One of them is like these sevens, you know, just, just be optimistic. Jake, Jake Cooper needs to get on the end of two corners for that to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go very simple. Birmingham nil, Millwall one. I can't see Birmingham scoring past the Bart man. Uh, Mick, any other business? Or are we done? I think we're done, Aaron. Oh, we're done. Thank you all for your uh, time, chaps. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, it's been having a nice... We, we've had a nice foursome this afternoon. We have. Uh, thank <laughs> you to you for listening. Thank you to Nick, the king of the dungarees. By the way, I think we should start a Just Giving page or a Virgin Money page. Right. Buy Nick some dungarees. I think Michael Avery will work what, on that little project. What is it for, for charity or something? Is this all yeah, right? yeah, we'll buy you some dungarees or something like that. Okay. Michael, what are you feeling? Do you reckon? Good idea? Yeah, yeah, with a nice little pouch on the front. Ask it as well <laughs> for, for your mic, Nick. You can wear it. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. If you have a dictaphone that you take, but yeah, so if yeah. you that Lavalio mic or whatever it's called, Lavalier, yeah, good idea, boys. Nice uh, Thank you very much, gents. Thank you to you for uh, for listening. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky review. Over to Aston Millwall. Till next time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.